Welcome back to Mission Time Possible, the podcast dedicated to watching every Tom Cruise movie ever. Our newest episode is going to be about taps. I'm Jason. She's Tamara. Let's get started. How are you doing today, Tamara? I am well. How are you? I'm doing okay. I wish so- I, could, I wish I could say I'm excited to talk about taps, but... I don't think anyone who's seen this movie could feel excited about it. It's a stupid-ass movie. Like, it's really bad. (laughs) It was so boring, I left my body, like, three times just to escape it. Like, I tried to zone out while watching it, and nah, it wasn't happening. (laughs) So, let's get into it. I mean... Tom definitely has more lines than he did in Endless Love. And wore clothes. And he wore clothes. And he wore clothes before, but now he's wearing a suitable amount of clothes in most scenes, except the scene where he's pumping iron and the shower scene. Yeah, but that's the 80s. What can you do? Um, (laughs) This film also stars George C. Scott, Timothy Hutton, and of course, probably of the of the cast, probably the best actor, Giancarlo um, Esposito. As we Gus know, Fring. Gus Fring. Oh God, most he's so recently, good. Yeah, he was. I mean, I know, like, I mean, he's most recently a new, one of the newest Star Wars villains. I know every time I see him on the cast, I have to get prepared to hate the hate his <laughs> But in real life, he's actually a beautiful person. Are you watching Better Call Saul? If I told you I only got the season one. Friendship and... over. <laughs> wow. It's so good. I'm just going to lie. Bob Odenkirk is, let me say his name properly. Bob Odenkirk is a goddamn gem. He's a treasure. What I'm saying is I didn't get, I'm still on season one of Breaking Bad. Oh my God. What? I didn't have time to fit into my schedule at that time because Jason, you've had like ten years. It came on at the same time as The Wire. Mm. If I had to choose between The Wire and Breaking Bad, I chose The Wire every time. See, I'm the opposite. I cannot get into The Wire despite it having my fantasy league husband in it. Oh, uh, it just over. Who else? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a couple that you probably like in the past, but that's the one that sticks out. Yeah, I mean, it's. I understand it's a great show. Um, I just could not get into it, and I think my brain is broken because everybody loves it but me. <laughs> How far do you get? I believe the end of the first season, maybe into season two. It's been a while. I should I'm, try it again. I'm one of those people who does not like season two, and most Wire fans don't like season two because it shifts focus. Hmm. But it's necessary evil. You kind of have to get through it. And well, let's go back to taps. So, <laughs> you go ahead. oh, I would much rather talk about good TV than this movie. But okay. <laughs> so you want to help us dive right into this piece of shit? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I have seen worse movies, but oh. Okay, background. Um, Taps was released in 1981. 
It was directed by Harold Becker. And an interesting factoid, thank you, Wikipedia, is that apparently he also directed some 1980s Madonna music videos, which is this kind of interesting tidbit of info. Um, the screenplay was written by three people. I don't know how it could be so bad if three people were working on this thing. Maybe it was too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, it was an adaptation of a 1979 novel called Father Sky, and it was filmed at Valley Forge Military Academy in Wayne, Pennsylvania. Pretty sure I've driven past that at least once since I lived up there. Cool story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, so a Hutton. I did not know this. He was actually nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah. For Best Actor um, for this he had, film. He'd won an Oscar like the year before. What was he in the year before? Uh, I don't remember. Let me look it up. One sec. I mean, he, it's not the first or last time we'll see somebody nominated for a not so great film. Um, you know he... how. You know how much I hate nocturnal animals. So. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. You have to understand that came out when I was in the middle of my dissertation research. So nearly all media I consumed was like evangelical Christian, like video games, movies, whatever. So I did not consume a ton of secular media at that time. And I am still catching up. Uh, <laughs> um, but I have seen every single Left Behind movie multiple times. God help me. Pun intended. Okay, so Timothy Hutton won the Best Supporting Actor for his role in Ordinary People. Okay. I might check it out. <laughs> uh, and this was Sean Penn. So this being Penn's first movie... Mm -hmm. He was actually really good. Yeah. But, okay, something about Sean Penn's face is he always looks like he's about to say something sarcastic, right? Like, there's well, something about his face where, like, he just looks like he's about to say something really annoying. So well, it takes me out of the scene whenever I see him. I mean, we learned how shitty he turned out. So yeah, there's that, like, apocryphal story. Like, I don't know, like, how true it is, but, like, apparently... In the 80s, he allegedly tied up Madonna and, like, held her hostage or something when they were married? Yeah. This is surprisingly a Madonna-heavy episode. That's the second time I've mentioned her. See, we're, also, we're both of, from Michigan, so. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, you got the director and then you got Sean Penn. I mean, there's probably somebody else loosely tied to Madonna somewhere in this cast. Oh, no doubt. She was everywhere in the 80s. And then, of course, this is Tom's second film. Mm -hmm. He got more lines. But yep. he's, he, this is, he still had this nasally weird, I mean, it's because of his age, of course. But he's still not risky business Tom Cruise at this point. <laughs> I suspect it's because he hadn't quite, like, gotten, like, vocal training or whatever. Yeah, because this... Tom Cruise, even though Risky Business comes out, what, like two years later? I guess, what, 82, he probably went through like a series of changes? Because in 83, you have, he has like three movies dropped. Oh, he has it's, like, it's, 
He has four. Um, he has cool. outs the outsiders, losing it, risky business, and all the right moves. So he has all those movies drop, and yeah. at that point, he's a completely different person than he was in this movie. So that's a almost like actor puberty, I guess. <laughs> and then the move the film was released on DVD. I don't know why. <laughs> on, in 2002. Yeah, that's and, a really big gap, right? I don't... Usually, DVD treatment... I just will see it being popular enough to get a DVD release, and then a, a decade later getting a Blu-ray release. Like, who was clamoring for this movie <laughs> that the studio <laughs> cared enough to release it two more times. I mean, but the thing is, like, it's a George C. Scott movie, so I can see, like, a certain population of, like, older dudes being really into his catalog, but I, mean, I don't know. He's kind of barely in it. If yeah. I'm being, if I'm being honest, like, he's in the beginning, then, like, then the climax, mm -hmm. and then you don't hear him, you don't see him again. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not really the climax, I guess, the turning point of the film. Mm -hmm. Then you don't see him. You don't see him again. I mean, you but, do at the very end, which we'll talk yeah. about because the ending was weird, and I'm gonna table that for a second because I need to discuss that. <laughs> Shall we start with the plot? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay, so we open with a church service, which I, I guess Valley Forge is like actually somewhat religious. But I thought it was weird because, like, this is a military place. All but... of those places are, like, not really tied to the religion. Especially those old military... If it's, like, an old military school, mm -hmm. it's very much God and country. I know, but it, it made me uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> it, yeah, it was weird as hell. I'm like, oh, you, you were right to feel uncomfortable. So um, we're coming into this as the academic year's ending at Bunker Hill Military Academy. Um, Cadet Brian Moreland, that's Timothy Hutton's character, meets with the Academy Commandant, retired Brigadier General Harlan Bache. I also want to say his name is Bash, but anyway, Bache. Um, that's George C. Scott. And... Um, Moreland is being promoted to cadet major, which is the highest rank of all the cadets. Um, he and Sean Penn have dinner with George C. Scott. They drink brandy. It's weird. I don't know why they're doing underage drinking, but whatever. Eh, I mean, it's kind of one of those things that they're like... It's like this weird indoctrination kind of thing. Like, hey, loosen up. Well, I, giving I also, kids I alcohol and being all chummy with them. I interpret it as they're being treated as adults because um, Moreland is being given this responsibility over the other cadets. Mm. But again, I'm uncomfortable with something in this movie. Um, just because I, I think it's weird when adults engage with teenagers like they're adults. You should respect teenagers, of course, they're people, but, like, don't drink brandy with them. <laughs> like, it's, anyway, it's just weird. And then, you know, you got the little celebration with Tom. This is where we brought, after that, we brought in with Tom doing the, 
leading the, I guess what, probably with the junior year mm-hmm. kids, he's leading them in their, or sophomore year, they're leading them in a little celebration in the hallway for the promotion. And they're celebrating um, Moreland. And, but th- this is where you're pretty much introduced to like the other kids. Mm-hmm. So you have, uh, you have Esposito's character, um, the little freshman. That's the other thing. You, you learn how big the age gap is. I'm, mm-hmm. That's the, okay, so this is what I'm confused about. Those kids, the youngest kids, were those supposed to be freshmen? Or was it like open to interpretation how young I mean, those kids were? Some of them look like they're 10. Yeah. <laughs> like when they get shot later on, you see like this 10 year old on the ground. You're like, I did not sign up for this. Yeah, that's, so that's why I'm wondering if it's if it's not the traditional nine to twelve school. Is it like even earlier uh, than that? Well, um, Valley Forge itself is grade seven to twelve. Okay, so so, so that it's makes probably sense. Probably like that, like, like that. eleven, twelve ish in seventh grade. So yeah. Okay, so that makes sense then. But yeah, so like. That- celebrating Moreland and like it's really weird because Tim Hutton kind of like looks like he's about to like sniffle and maybe like tearing up because these people are like fetting him which I get that it's a big deal I'm not trying to like shit on that but I I don't know it was just a weird scene and as I wrote in my notes it's dumb and boring like this entire movie yeah, it's one of those things when you look at, back at it through the lens of now to back then, it's very like, oh, this is extremely dated. Yeah. Um, like, I knew kids like that growing up, but, and I know some adults like that, but you don't know so much. Or if you do know an adult who went through the military academy, they're usually the complete opposite of what they were when they went in. Mm-hmm. So, looking at it now as it was like a snapshot in time it's like it's weird and kind of just creepy yeah and like for the record my criticisms of like this movie and the way the cadets behave etc that's not like supposed to be a commentary on how i feel about military academies or like soldiers or whatever like my comments are purely confined to how dumb i think this movie and these characters are yeah and not like a meta commentary Okay, so, moving on. <laughs> um, so we fast forward and um, the general announces that Bunker Hill's board of trustees is selling the school to real estate developers. So pretty soon it's all going to be condos as far as the eye can see. And like the school's going to be open for another year to give the kids like time to graduate or transfer or whatever. Um, but then Beish says something really dumb. We are here... And the condos are not. He's gonna regret the statement. Mm. I mean, he's setting it up so that Moreland will, like, have everybody do what they do. Yeah, but it's kind of like... I kind of feel like Moreland almost read too much into it. Maybe because he's 17. Yeah, because he's 17. <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> with me as a 30 year old, someone in my 30s, it's like, 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> and like I I I get that an adult saying, you know, we're here, the condos aren't could be intended as, you know, the let's just do the best we can for the next year. Yeah, that's the you way know? I initially yeah. read it as, but I can then I can see it as a a child just take that yeah, a teenager hopped up on hormones being like, I'm going to go take over the armory and stand off with the National Guard. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, let's get through this so we can finish it. Move on with our lives. Uh, so some of the cadets graduate because it's the end of the year. There's a ball. I loved this scene. The townies just like shitting all over them, just like mocking them. I just thought it was really funny. I don't know. Uh, anytime, well, I have issues with townies in general <laughs> in any movie because it's usually a real, it, it's often like a bad context. Yeah. Like we're almost borderline racist locals. It's like, so, like, what happened to the townies next? I'm kind of like, eh. Well, I, I don't, like, I don't condone murder. I think that can be the official stance for this podcast, maybe. We're not pro-murder. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. Um, but, like, just the, when they were mocking the people coming into the ball, I was amused by it. That part I found amusing. What happened next not so great. Yeah. <laughs> so shall we talk about what happens next? Yeah, as with any movie from this from the 80s where you have townies and a general outside element, there's always going to lead to some conflict, which was the case in with this film, of course. The boys got into it and General Base came out to, you know, kind of break it up. Mm-hmm. And one of the locals got a little handsy with a base's gun, which unfortunately we find out was loaded. And actually, the townie is the one who was the kind of mostly the, the party responsible. Thank you for another local getting shot, which was I rewound <laughs> it, and I was like, "Why is he being blamed for this? The townie like is the one who pulled the trigger." Yeah, I was like. Did like did no one see this? Was there like was there no questioning involved? Or like how do you jump to him getting blamed for this? I get holding him responsible because it was his firearm. Yeah. But the kid took it off. Yeah. He was trying to like get it back. He was wrestling with it and that's why it went off. Yeah. Cause I mean the kid what probably definitely in better shape than him. Much younger. Taller. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, he was an old man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, clearly, because he had a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> and then the board of trustees is like, you know what? We're just going to shut it down. Yeah, that I kind of feel one of the things. If the board of trustees had just, you know, replaced them mm-hmm. and just kept it moving for the rest of the year. A lot of this would have been avoided. But I also but get, like, shutting down the school because a kid was murdered. Yeah. Like, murdered makes it sound like it was intentional. A kid was killed. Yeah. 
Yeah, that there's a lot of. I mean, we we see it as viewers as somebody taking the blame for something they didn't do, mm-hmm. but of course, yeah, you have to see it as like, okay, as an everyday person, if this were to happen, how would like a like a school board how would they act? And yeah, I mean, they act accordingly. School gets shut down immediately, which leads to a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, the cadets have a shit fit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, as I wrote in my notes, Moreland decides, as ranking officer, that the inmates now run the institution. Um, they take over the armory, and it's a—it's it, such an uncomfortable scene. Um, the um, dean of students and the sheriff come by to empty the armory, and Moreland's there, and he's like, nah, we took everything out of here. And then, like, the camera pans up, and you see a bunch of white teenage boys with guns trained on these two adults. Like that, ugh. I I hate that scene. It just... Well, especially it, now. In yeah, context. seriously. Oh, God. Like, it made me think, like, about various things that are happening around the country. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just weird that, like, these teenagers and younger just, you know, took all the guns and, like, escorted the adults off the canvas. And then they secure the perimeter. They're like, no, we run this place. And, you know, if you're not old enough to shave, you probably shouldn't be in charge of wherever you're living. This, uh, and this is where I get confused in the movie. It's like, what do you, do you hope to accomplish with this? Like, you think what you pull guns on adults, you pull guns on the cops. Like, oh, this is just going to be normal after. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I think that's actually pretty realistic because teenagers have a hard time thinking things through, right? Because their brains aren't fully developed. So I think that's pretty realistic that they'd be like, hey, let's like take everything out of the armory and stand up for ourselves. And, you know, this is our home, blah, blah, blah. They didn't think about the consequences because their brains can't really do that. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I see that. Yeah. But at some point, it's like, the voice of reason being Sean Penn's character. Was that <laughs> Sean Penn, who always looks like he's about to say something shitty and sarcastic. Yeah, is the voice <laughs> of reason. Throughout this, from basically from this point of the movie on. <laughs> oh, can we skip back? Um, there's yeah. something I want to talk about, but it's at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Sean Penn closes his eyes. He's in his dorm room. Closes his eyes and throws darts. And, like, there's this little kid who's, like, 11, who, like, walks in and, like, stands under where the thing is going to arc. And I'm like, kid, you are brave. Because that guy has his eyes closed and that dart is sharp. And it was just a weird, like, introduction to that character. A little dart never killed anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Lawn darts. It was a thing in the 80s. So... We are at the point where, you know, the kids are taking over, they took their guns, 
Um, they try to take as much food as they can. They con the little supply guy, the the guy who controls the food supply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, but let's talk about what happens to the truck. Yeah, truck breaks down on the way back, which I felt bad for. Um, for a kick captain cadet JC Pierce. Cause <laughs> I know exactly what was going through his Yeah. Through any young black man's head at the time while your truck was broke down mm-hmm. and you're surrounded by angry white people. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I was just like, oh, okay. I, like, I was like, this is Giancarlo Esposito. We must protect him at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> and how does Sean get that crowd to disperse? Oh yeah, of course. Fire some shots. Oh, okay. This is the first time, not the last, where I will yell at the TV, Sean should not be allowed to touch a gun. Well, in the grand scheme of things, in, in the scheme, mm-hmm. that was probably not so bad. I mean, he yeah. He didn't try to shoot anybody. True. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I mean, he did He did get the crowd to disperse. He did, you know, do what he needed to do. Yes. Because I don't think if he, if, if, if Dwyer didn't do that, I don't think they make it out. Yeah. So but yet they're that... very angry, riled up, and the, the, the locals, of course, blame the general for the kid mm-hmm. getting shot. And that scene was really tense. I was really nervous. I had read the plot summary, so I knew what was going to happen. But even while watching it, I was really, really nervous. Yeah, that's actually... That was... Honestly, that's the only point in the movie where I was actually invested. Mm-hmm. Same, honestly. And I don't know if it's because, like... I'm a big fan of that actor or I actually didn't hate that character. <laughs> Probably a combination of both. I mean, yeah. plus it was a legitimate, it was a, it was a real danger mm-hmm. at that time. So, yeah. And, and by the time everyone gets, they, they make it back, of course. And that's when we get the cops mm-hmm. and parents finally showing up. <laughs> that van <laughs> driving by campus with the mob, like, imploring the kid to come out like mom stop embarrassing me and trying to get me to stop occupying my school it's just it made me laugh i don't think it was supposed to but the mom on the like van speaker made me laugh so hard i mean i get get why they did it but it was just weird i mean the whole situation is weird it's like yeah y'all are your parents pay tuition. Yeah, those military academies, and we let you get one of the few grants. You paying out of parents are paying out of the pocket for you to be there. So your parents pay tuition for you to hold the school hostage. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, they probably would have got a refund with the school shutting down. They would they probably would have got a refund for the whole year. <laughs> Can we spin it a different way and say well, the kids took over the school, so clearly that tuition money was not spent poorly. Like, they got their money's worth. 
True, the military, they, they're using everything they learn. So, yeah. It's not a complete waste. You can put successfully started a coup at my school on your college application. <laughs> okay. Um, so some parents come in and try to convince their kids to stop being shitheads. And Mulan's like, hey, people can leave if they want. And no one does. At first, anyway. Yeah. And of course, there's another standoff mm -hmm. where eventually someone does leave. You know, and it's one of the younger kids. I mean, he's what probably see seventh grade. So yeah. he's probably what like a like twelve, eleven or twelve or something yeah. like that. He's like, I don't want to be. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where Warless one of the, I, well, I guess on one set, on the one on, on one hand, he probably should have got rid of the youngest kids anyway, mm -hmm. just because I mean they had no business being there in that mess. On the other hand, if he had gotten rid of the kids sooner, they probably would have stormed the place a lot earlier. Mm -hmm. Well, and then after when they start losing kids, it's at that point where county officials start doing things like cutting off the water. Mm -hmm. And other and... utilities. What's that? I said other utilities. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> when the... I, oh, it's my, it's my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the water and the electricity are shut off, and Cadet Pierce tries to get the generator running again, and it's powered by gasoline. Yeah. Oh, and he sets himself on fire accidentally, and he becomes Giancarlo Esposito. No! <laughs> I'm really proud of that. You're really proud. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> and the ambulance takes him away. Yeah. I'm actually surprised he survived that. But I thought he was I thought he was done for. Yeah, but, I thought he died. And they actually I also expected the divine law enforcement and military to actually use that as an opportunity to like, you know, storm the school. Seriously. Just, like you're they, setting yourselves on fire, let us in. You you clearly cannot do this anymore. Yeah. But I, but they, I actually commend them for getting him to the hospital first, rather mm -hmm. than jumping on the opportunity to, oh, while these kids are frazzled, we can just easily just mow this shit down. Yeah. Um. Speaking of mowing shit down, let's skip ahead to the next night. Um, a tank approaches the main gate, and two like eleven-year-old cadets, Derek and Charlie, are on sentry duty because that's a suitable job for 11 year olds um and derek the younger of the two panics and rushes to surrender which like yes you are being smart don't do this like just surrender and charlie tries to stop him um derek drops his rifle and it discharges then the guardsmen open fire on a child which okay i get that they probably just reacted on instinct they like heard and saw gunfire so they're like oh crap but like this is a child see i initially thought he got shot in the back 
because the way the squib went off, yeah, it looked like he took one in the back. And, and for it, the record, um, yeah. Derek is Derek the one who like panicked and rushed, made it to the gate. Mm-hmm. It's Charlie who got shot and killed. Yeah, the one who chased after him. Yeah, yeah, and I, that's why I, I thought. Um, I don't know why I thought. I thought Tom Cruise's character body took a shot at him because he was running as well. And the way the the shot was set up and the way the special effect went off, mm-hmm. I thought he got shot from behind and that and not by the guards. Right? Oh, I, I, I didn't see that at all. Um, so yeah, no, Char- I'm gonna have to go rewatch it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna do that immediately because <laughs> I like this movie so much. Um, <laughs> Charlie's death bums everyone out, and Moreland decides to just give up. Which, uh, it's about fucking time. Like, enough. You're done. Stop it. Kids are dying. So he musters the cadets. They start marching to the gate to surrender. Dumbass Sean goes all Lee Harvey Oswald, like, hangs out in a room like a sniper, aiming his gun at the National Guard, and he opens fire on them with a machine gun. What the fuck, Sean? It was almost over. And, of course, the National Guard returns fire. And Moreland finds Sean and tries to stop him, like, when all these bullets are flying. And both Moreland and Sean are killed. I mean, nothing was lost. Especially Sean's character. I really didn't... He was way too trigger-happy the whole film. Yes. But then you had... But Dwyer, like I said, the voice of reason, tried to balance both of them out. I I mean, he... Of course, he failed because mm-hmm. Sean, Tom Cruise's character, so everyone knows that's what we mean when we talk about dumbass Sean. Um, <laughs> he's just like he took he's a, I mean he took a shot at the cops. He it's just a lot of hyper aggressive moves throughout the whole film. Yeah. So I I was just I was. Yeah, he got shot. I was like, oh well. <laughs> I mean, I was bummed that Moreland got shot. I didn't really feel that emotionally involved with the character, but he was trying to do the right thing by surrendering, and then he was trying to do the right thing by, like, locating Sean and, like, stopping it. And he was killed. And that yeah. that's a bummer. That's true. He... Uh, he, he... Doesn't, doesn't necessarily deserve to go out the way he did. But he was a bit of a dumbass for the whole... I mean, he planned the whole coup. Yeah. <laughs> um, everything is his idea, but... Yeah. It's it's a movie full of a lot of unlikable characters. Or just characters I, as a viewer, did not connect with. And it's hard to care about a movie at that point. Where you're like, I don't like anybody here. Or like, I don't feel any like emotional connection with what's going on on the screen yeah it was very much like i didn't have any empathy for you know for like the characters like it's like i don't understand where you're coming from man yeah. <laughs> just go I mean, home <laughs> there are a few characters that i cared about like the two kids who like in different parts of the movie like decided yes. to nope out i was like yeah i get it you're terrified you know i got that um, the scene we talked about before where the truck breaks down, mm-hmm. like, I-, I was really scared for Pierce, even though I, I knew that's not when he got yeah. hurt. Yeah, I, mean, I was scared. I was that, definitely scared for him, too, because I 
hell I've been in that situation. I mean, not as vi- not as like crazy, but yeah. I know what that's like. Yeah. And, and like, but that's no, it. Especially like in the like early '80s, like <sighs> these townies are pissed off anyway about like their comrade being killed. It, yeah. Um. But yeah, other than those like those three instances. I didn't give a crap about any of the characters. And it's just hard to sit through like over two hours of movie when you're just like, why? <laughs> why am I here? Yeah, well, I, at least thankfully, the next couple of uh, Cruise films are definitely more interesting mm-hmm. than this one. And <laughs> you're at least... Especially with the outsiders. Oh, I like I the you, outsiders. Yeah, I think you, you care way more about the cast. The outsiders. Yeah, than you definitely. <laughs> Ralph Macchio is so good in that, but we can't talk about that now. We're talking about taps. Oh, okay, can we just... Okay, let's just get this over with. Let's talk about the last scene. Um, yeah. Okay, it, it's a weird scene, right? So we go from, like, we see Dwyer, like, carrying Morlin out in his arms. Right, yeah. so like we know he's dead, and then we cut to the scene where it's like everybody's on the field in their like uh, their uniforms. George C. Scott is there. Timothy Hutton's alive again. What the hell is this? Is this heaven? Yeah, that's what I assumed it was. It was like his weird ass. Oh, this is his weird ass heaven. Like he is so up the school's ass that like this is his. Ver- he wants to be here after he dies. But, like, there are ways to communicate that this is the afterlife that, like, are clearer. It's, the, well, it's like this. It's either the afterlife or probably the last time he was kind of happy there. Because you remember they had that little parade thing? Yeah. So that might have been uh, a throwback to that. The last there, That was, like, the last time things were, like, normal. I guess, but, like, it's just so... The, the cut between the scenes was so weird. Yeah. Okay, yeah. um, I, I have a final question for you. Mm-hmm. What was the point of this movie? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the make, besides the make money? <laughs> the cast is fantastic. Yeah, it's not a bad cast. Um, I mean, like I said, this is Sean Penn's first film, mm-hmm. and he he's really good. Yeah. And he goes on to have a really good career after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Esposito, Cruz, I mean, everyone who, pretty, most of the people who are in this film go on to have pretty good careers. Yeah. I can't say that about most 80s films. <laughs> <laughs> But as far as what the point of this movie was, I mean, outside to make money, I mean, how much money did this make? I don't know. I mean, I figure it appeals to a certain type of viewer. And I am not that viewer. Yeah. I mean, it was re-released twice. Most recently as 2011. So, I mean, I guess if you're the type of person who's into, I mean... What's another military academy movie? You're asking me? <laughs> <laughs> See, I can't think of it. 
Oh, um, school ties, right? No, that's just a boarding school. Yeah. I was going to say Toy Soldiers, but that was a boarding school, too. Oh, God. I used to love that movie. I haven't seen that in forever. And Toy Soldiers was the better version of this. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I was thinking that when I was watching this, but I was like, I don't remember the movie that well, because I haven't seen it since I was, like, 12. So, like, that was, like, what, 50 years ago? So I need, I need to rewatch it to see if it's as good as I remember. I mean, for some reason, the people that I, reviewers at IMDb don't think Toy Soldiers is a better movie than Taps. But I personally believe that it was a better movie. <laughs> now I need to like, get a copy. I had <laughs> such a crush on Will Wheaton when I was a kid. But it explains so much about my life. What's that? Unfortunately, we're not watching Will Wheaton movies. Yeah, well, you know. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please tell your friends to follow us on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Mission Time Pod. Our next episode is about The Outsiders.